Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 5 of The Life of Christ in the Soul by Henry Skugel. The Excellence and Advantage of Religion And now, my dear friend, having discovered the nature of true religion, before I proceed any further, it will perhaps be appropriate to fix our thoughts a little on the excellence and advantages of it so that we may be stirred to a more vigorous and diligent pursuit of those aspects that will enable us to attain some of its greatest satisfactions. But alas, what words can be found to express the inward satisfactions or the hidden pleasures that are experienced by souls wholly devoted to God? Holiness is that for which the soul was intended, for in holiness alone is the soul's constitution vigorous and healthy. Formerly, the soul's faculties were feeble and disordered, such that they could not perform their natural functions. The soul is wearied by endless tossings and turnings and is never able to find any rest. But now, when that unhealthy distemper is removed, the soul feels well. There is proper harmony in its faculties and a sprightly vigor in every part. This enables a person's understanding to discern what is good and his will can cleave to it. The affections are not enslaved to the senses and the influence of external incentives, but are stirred by divine impressions and touched by an awareness of invisible things. Let us take time to examine the several branches of true religion that have already been named more closely. The excellence of divine love. Let us consider the love and affection by which holy souls are united with God so that we may see the excellence and happiness that result from it. Love is the powerful and prevailing passion by which all of a person's inclinations should be determined and on which perfection and happiness depend. The worth and excellency of a soul is to be measured by the object of its love. A person who loves mean and sordid things thereby becomes base and vile. But a noble and well-placed affection enhances the soul's desire to be conformed to the perfection of the things that it loves. The images of such things, good or bad, frequently present themselves to the mind and, by a secret force and energy, penetrate to the very constitution of the soul, molding and fashioning it into their very likeness. It is in this way that we may see lovers or friends sliding into imitating those whom they admire and how even before a person is aware of it, they begin to resemble the person that they love.
This happens not only in the more obvious aspects of behavior, but also their voice, their gestures, and what we might call their demeanor. We ought to acquire the virtues and inward beauties of the soul as we perceive them in the lives of those we love, and then emulate them. But since all with whom we converse display an amalgam of traits, both good and bad, we are faced with the hazard of being sullied and corrupted by placing our affections too indiscriminately upon others. Passion easily blinds our eyes so that first we approve of and then imitate things that are blameworthy in them. The true way to ennoble and improve our souls is by fixing our love on the divine perfections. And we should always have them before us and derive an impression of them upon ourselves. Thus, beholding the glory of the Lord with an open face, as in a glass, we may be changed into the same image from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 The person who has, with wholehearted and holy ambition, focused his eyes on God's uncreated beauty and goodness and fixed his affections there, is more excellent and heroic in his character than all others. He is of quite another spirit, And as a consequence, he cannot but thoroughly disdain all mean and unworthy things and will not entertain any low or base thoughts that might prejudice his high and noble aims. Love is the greatest and most excellent thing of which we can be masters. It is folly to bestow it unworthily. It is the only thing we can call our own. Other things can be taken from us by violence, but nothing can plunder our love. By giving our love, we give our all. It is not possible to refuse anything to the person to whom in love we have given ourselves. Indeed, the privilege in receiving a gift is to have its value conferred not in the gift itself, but in the desire of the giver to please. The person who loves may, in some sense, be said not only to bestow all that they have, but also everything else that they may make the beloved person happy. If it were in their power to do so, then they would readily give everything for the other person's happiness. In this way, we can be bold enough to say that divine love in us gives God unto himself by the pleasure that he takes in the happiness and perfection of his own nature. And although this may seem too stark or even somewhat obscure, love is the worthiest present that we can offer to God. Love is debased when we bestow it in any other way. When our affections are misplaced, they often express themselves in ways that point to the nature of their proper object. The flattering and sometimes blasphemous 
terms of adoration by which people sometimes express their passions are the language of affections that were made and designed for God. Any affection whose object is considered to be a deity ought only to be bestowed on him who really is one. And those unrestrained acts of submission that could debase the soul, if directed to a false god, will exalt and ennoble it when directed toward God himself. Such chains and cords of love are infinitely more glorious than liberty itself. The slavery of the soul to God is more noble than anything else in the world. The Advantages of Divine Love As divine love advances and elevates the soul, so it transpires that it is that love alone that yields true happiness. The highest and most ravishing pleasures, the most solid and substantial delights that human nature is capable of experiencing are those that originate in the warm satisfactions of well-placed affections. To bestow our love on those who demonstrate no affection or gratitude in return or whose absence deprives us of the pleasure of their conversation or whose miseries cause us trouble may equally bring dismay and discouragements. But the love of God and for God delivers us from all of these inward responses. The Value of Love's Object First, it must be said that the experience of love will be miserable and full of trouble when there is insufficient worth and excellence in love's object that meet the vastness of love's capacity. Such eager and vigorous passion cannot but fret and torment the emotions when its cravings are not satisfied. Indeed, the nature of love is so large and unbounded that it feels extremely pinched and constrained when confined to any mere creature. Nothing less than being directed toward infinite goodness can afford it enough room to stretch itself and exert its vigor and vitality. What is skin-deep beauty or a small degree of goodness to satisfy a passion that was made for God, that was designed to embrace the infinite good. No wonder lovers only reluctantly suffer any rival. They know the limitations and even scantiness of their love, but also that it is exclusive. Love, which is as strong as death, can give way to jealousy that is as cruel as the grave. But divine love has nothing of such gall in its mixture. Once the soul is fixed on that supreme and all-sufficient good, it finds so much perfection and goodness that not only are its affections satisfied by it, but they are mastered and overpowered by it too. A soul finds that the total sum of all its love is altogether too faint and languid for such a noble object as God himself, and is only sorry that it can offer no more. The soul longs for times when it might be wholly melted and dissolved into love. And because it can 
accomplish so little of itself. The soul desires the assistance of the whole creation so that men and angels concur with it in the love and admiration of the infinite perfections of God. This concludes episode five of The Life of Christ in the Soul by Henry Scoogle.